Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Suzanne. Our second reading comes from First Chronicles, picking up where we left off. Um, and King David has just shared how he is going to contribute all of his wealth to God in order to build the temple. And now he is inviting the uh, assembly, the congregation, those who are gathered to also give of what they have to build the temple, starting at verse 6. Then the leaders of ancestral houses made their freewill offerings, as did also the leaders of the tribes, the commanders of the thousands, of the hundreds, and the officers over the king's work. They gave for the service of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord into the care of Jehiel the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly. For with single mind they had offered freely to the Lord. King David also rejoiced greatly. Then David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, are the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and on the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are as exalted as head above all. Riches and honor come from you. And you rule over all. In your hand are power and might. And it is in your hand to make great and to give strength to all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh, gracious God, we give you thanks that we can gather here in the house of the Lord on this day. God, we give you thanks for all who have gone before and who have brought us here on this day. God, as we listen for your word in our life, we pray for open minds, for open hearts, that we would know of your presence even in this place. For it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. This is the fourth week in our season of generosity. Charlie Vodders spoke a little bit earlier about this. And over the past few weeks, Steve Eason has looked at the lives of individuals in the Bible and asked us to see how we can identify with them. He told the story of the widow with two coins of the rich young ruler, the woman with the alabaster jar. I have found these sermons to be great opportunities for reflection. And today I want us to continue considering the people of the Bible and invite us to see how we relate, identify, especially in this season of generosity. 
Today we've read from the book of First Chronicles. When was the last time that you read from the book of First Chronicles? Not very often, I see. Chronicles means a list of events. The Chronicles are not just a political history. They are also a history of the people's religion. And they record how the people worshipped God. And the part that we read from today, King David was worried because his son Solomon was young and did not have very much experience, enough experience that David considered was necessary But David had done all that he could to prepare for his work, and now he was appealing to the people to support Solomon. And he said that God had chosen Solomon, that God had given to Solomon this great task, and that it was important to note that the temple would not be for the honor of any person. So the temple was not to honor King David. The temple was not to honor Solomon. The temple was for God and God alone. And for that reason, it was a most important task to build it. The Lord was the ruler over the king and the Israelites. And so David makes a list of the sort of things that he has provided for the temple. It's a big list. He gave gold and silver and bronze and iron and wood and artisans, and all that he gave. And then he makes an appeal to all the people to do as he has done. And he asks them to give of themselves to service of the Lord. And all of the leaders answered to this appeal. They all gave of their gifts for the work of God's temple. It's important to note that King David could have built this grand temple and furnished it and made it lovely all by himself. But he knew that it was important the people contributed generously. And again, not to benefit David, but because that is how they would worship God. The leaders gave these gifts because they wanted to give, and it gave them much pleasure to give to the Lord. In verses 10 through 13, this prayer of David is one of the most beautiful of all the prayers in the Bible. It turns attention away from David, away from Solomon, away from the temple, and it's a prayer of thanks. And David praises God alone. Echoing what we later learn are Jesus' words in the Lord's Prayer. Yours, O Lord, are the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. King David asks, who will consecrate themselves? Which means set themselves apart for the Lord. Because he knows that in giving and giving thanks and giving praise and giving of ourselves to God, worshiping God with our whole lives, that this will be such a gift to the people. David is giving them an opportunity to be richly blessed by making a sacrifice, surrendering their heart to the Lord, and they respond. What happens when we 
live generously? Or maybe that's too big of a question. What happens to you when you participate in or provide a generous act? Think of a moment of a generous act where you have either been the generous one or a recipient of generosity. Maybe it happened this morning. Maybe you helped someone in the parking lot at church. Maybe you were a bus ambassador. Maybe you were an usher here. Maybe you brought your spouse a cup of coffee this morning. Hint, hint. (laughs) Maybe this weekend you had an opportunity to visit someone who needed a listening ear. Maybe you have given financially to a cause that needed help, or maybe you're one of the 117 elders in our church that have made your pledge and even increased. Maybe you provided a random act of kindness, or maybe you were the recipient. How did you feel when you were doing this? Or afterwards, did you feel resentful? If you did, then this was not a generous act. This was some form of expectation. Well, I'm going to do this for them, and they better notice. Sort of my making a comment about coffee for your spouse. Shouldn't think like that. Or when you did this act, this generous act, did you feel a little bit lighter? Did you experience some joy? Did you connect with the person that you were generous to? That's generosity. Last Sunday, my nephew got married in Athens, Georgia. He and his new bride were doing their wedding on a shoestring budget. They were 22 years old. But as often the case, they wanted the very best. Who doesn't for their wedding? They wanted it to be beautiful and magical and even mystical. It was in a botanical garden. And in order to pull off the event that they wanted, it could have easily costed thousands, if not thousands of dollars, like fancy weddings cost. But guess what? They had everything they wanted and even more on this shoestring budget. They had a huge community of friends and family that helped them to pull it off. Everything from groomsmen flipping the wedding ceremony into the reception hall in a matter of minutes the entire wedding party staying until midnight to clean up so they didn't have to pay the fees of the venue. The Arizona boys, these were three guys that my nephew had met in young life on a camp that he worked in. They paid for their flight, flew to Georgia, served as bartenders and did all the heavy lifting for the wedding, all out of their own place of generosity because they wanted to help. My husband, Rob, filmed the service and the reception as a gift. I stood in as the wedding coordinator. My father was the officiant. 
And the DJ, a friend of my sister's, offered the entire service for one dollar. And he worked endless hours making this the most personal, most loving, most special service for this couple. Mac and Allie had their dream wedding because of the generosity of others. And here's the thing. Everyone had a blast. We all had so much fun. You might think when you go to a wedding, you're not supposed to work. But because we were all doing this together, it was so much fun and a gift to them. Being generous is a great thing to be, to do. Why? Because not only do you help someone else, but we benefit, I benefit, you benefit from the joy that it brings to you. The builders of the temple and chronicles gave generously. Why? Because they loved God. David invited them to participate because he knew that they were going to grow in their faith. They were going to rejoice and sing praises because they were giving to God. I don't know about you, but I have experienced some shame, even resentment, during stewardship seasons at the church in my past. I have felt obligated and then resentful. And I don't want to do that anymore. I want to be a cheerful giver. I want to listen for God's lead and give what I can from a place of joy. I want to first recognize that everything, including me, already belongs to God. And I want to give my part in gratitude and with a generous heart. Because I have found that when there's resentment in my giving, when I have expectations and probably unrealistic expectations, I feel bad. In opposition, when I am generous, because it makes me feel closer to God and to others, when it fills me up because I am responding to all that God has given me, releasing expectations, I don't know what the outcome might be. I feel good. In my lifetime of church going and 20 years of ordained ministry, I have discovered that nothing compares to the work of the church. The work, the ministry that happens through the church is the most important work in the world, in my mind. The church is the headquarters where the work of God is to be done. The church is the body of Christ. That's why when we give to the church or serve in the church, it's a very different experience than giving to a charitable organization, which is also very important. We may get the same tax write-off, but giving to the church is tangible and essential way of worshiping God. Thanks be to God for the members of this church that have given over the last 200 plus years. Because of them, here we sit, growing up in our faith and love for God. Here we sit, waiting to see what else God has in store for us. As followers of Christ, we are invited to live life and live it to the full. How do we do this? 
The paradox is that rather than filling our lives up with stuff, which never seems to be enough, we are invited to live fully by giving generously to God. How much we give, how we give, that doesn't matter. Our generosity might come in the form of a big check, or it might come in the action of serving as a tutor at George Mason Elementary, or visiting one of our homebound members on our Care and Concern team, serving God's church on the pastor nominating committee, giving of our time and our gifts, and growing in our faith in Christ. That's what we are called to do. We need to remember the stories of the family of faith, how it is that lives are truly turned around, changed, because God's love and work of his church. Imagining how many more lives will be touched because of the work of the church and our participation as followers of Christ. This is the greatest investment, I believe, that we will ever make. Look at this list in your bulletin this week, and then do me a favor. I would ask you this week, as you prepare to make your commitment to the church, to set a few minutes aside to truly imagine the possibilities of this church. Imagine what else God has to do. Think and pray about this. What would this church look like? What will it look like in two years, in five, in 50? And how many lives could be touched? Dream big. I know I am doing that, praying about how First Presbyterian Church Richmond can be God's light and love in this world, and how we as its members can grow in our faith as we follow and serve Christ. Imagine the possibilities of the church, and imagine your own possibilities. How is it that you are being called to serve? What gifts, what vision, what dreams do you bring to this congregation? Pray about this. Don't second-guess yourself, say, no, I could never do that, or we could never do that. Talk to someone and imagine the possibilities of how it is that God will work through you and through this congregation to serve and to love in God's world. Let us pray. Oh, holy God, we give you thanks for your church. And we thank you that you have called us here to serve. Lord God, we pray for the possibilities that we could imagine big as you lead us and guide us. For it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.